For our scripture reading this morning, we're going to once again turn to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 12. This is the passage that is commonly known as the Beatitudes in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And I hope that when we're done with this mini-series on the Beatitudes, that we will have this passage resonating in our minds, and that we'll remember it. There will be two more sermons on this series, and then we'll go back to our series on Ephesians. So this is the word of our Lord, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of our Lord. Let us pray together. Father, we approach your word this morning desiring to hear from you. We pray that you would open our hearts to see your goodness. Father, we are your children. Enable us to be peacemakers. We pray these things in Jesus' name. This morning we're going to be considering verse 9 of Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. In uh, 2005, the Rolling Stone magazine ranked the 1971 John Lennon hit Imagine as the number three greatest song of all times. Just to provide for your curiosity so that you can actually continue listening to the sermon and not be wondering, the greatest hit of all times, according to the Rolling Stones magazine, was Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan, and the second was I Can't Get No Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. In, in, in Imagine, Lennon says, Imagine there is no countries, it isn't hard to do, nothing to kill or die for. And no religion, too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. When asked exactly what he meant by the song, Lenin answered, It's not a new message. Give peace a chance. We're not being unreasonable. Just saying, give it a chance. With imagine, we are asking, can you imagine a world without countries or religions? It's the same message over and over, it's, it's, and it's positive. So, according to John Lennon, peace comes to humanity by the abolition of national identities and religion. Now, that seems to be the prevalent view of our times as exemplified by the United Nations and the European Union and the political left. Yet, peace cannot be made or achieved through global efforts to destroy nationalistic ideology and religious conviction. Peace can only be made or achieved through the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, because ultimately we need to achieve peace with God. 
Sinclair Ferguson, in his little book on the Sermon on the Mount, says, Jesus is not speaking about the mere cessation of hostility among the nations. He is speaking about the cessation of hostility between man and God. This is the peace he came to establish. To establish. Augustine, in his Confessions, says a similar thing, a similar concept with very different words, when he says, Our hearts are less restless till they find rest in you. And the scriptures have always said that. For example, in Isaiah 23, 26, verse 3, the prophet says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You see, our biggest problem isn't that we don't get along with one another and we need to work on it. Our biggest problem is that we have sinned against God and He is in enmity with us. As we think of this uh, verse, uh, Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We need to ask our question, who is the peacemaker? In our passage, the peacemaker is described as the one called son of God. Now, I used to think that the, the word sons here was a generic expression for children of God. But the more I studied how this expression is used in the New Testament, the more I have come to believe that Jesus didn't mean to use sons as a generic word for children. Jesus could have uh, used the word children as he used it in other places in the Gospels. I believe he literally meant sons of God. And before we come up with some idea that only males are sons of God or get up in arms because the Bible is sexist, note that he is actually elevating the status of women. The peacemakers are those who have been legally adopted as sons of God with all the legal rights of being a rightful male heir of God. Why is this important? Well, under the first century Roman law, only males could be legally adopted and receive the same the name of the adopted father. And, and here Jesus is saying that in his kingdom, men and women are adopted by the Father in a way that surpasses anything that had ever been heard before. He says, men and women are adopted as sons of God, that is, as those who bear the name of the Father and who inherit his possessions. So, the peacemaker is the one who has been adopted by God and brought into his family. How can God adopt sinful people who are his enemies into his life, his family? Well, he has made peace with us through Jesus Christ that Paul says, Paul says in Romans 5.12, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Brothers, apart from the faith in Jesus Christ, God is your enemy. Paul says that in Romans 5 verse 10, For if, we, for if when we were enemies, we are reconciled to God. God is not powerlessly loving the unbeliever, wringing his hands, just waiting for the time when they feel like acknowledge him. It is, it is only because of his common grace bestowed on the wicked that they are not consumed right now. But through Christ, he has reconciled those who were his enemies to himself. 
Again, Paul in Romans 5.10, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. In Jesus Christ, God is reconciled to us, and we are reconciled to Him. The Apostle Paul made much of it, of that concept in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21, where he says, Now I, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And as we read the, pa, this passage and passages like this one, that tells us that sin is a big deal. He took the sinless Son of God becoming guilty of our sins for the Father to forgive us and adopt us and make us His sons, to make us His daughters, and to make us peacemakers. Uh, Stuart Townend captured that well in his song where he says, How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns His face away as wounds which the mar the Chosen One bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon His shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held Him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. And it is our adoption into God's family that makes us peacemakers. God is described throughout the New Testament as the God of peace. One example of that, in which He brings together the idea of peace, the blood of Christ, and our equipping, is Hebrews 13, verses 20-21, where there, the writer of Hebrews is writing his farewell to his audience, and he says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, work in you what is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, and will be glory forever and ever. Amen. It is the God of peace that through the blood of Jesus Christ is working and equipping us to become more and more like Him. And one of the things that we become more and more is peacemakers. So as children of God, of the God of peace, we must resemble our Heavenly Father. And we must be peacemakers. D.A. Carson, his commentary on the book of Matthew says, Now it the title sons, belongs to the heirs of the kingdom who, meek and poor in spirit, loving righteousness yet merciful, are especially equipped for peacemaking and so reflect something of their Heavenly Father's character. We have found peace with God through Jesus Christ. Now we become messengers and practitioners of that peace. And we are called by God to bring peace to the world. People of God, the primary means to bring peace to, uh, to the world is not through treaties, 
and UN resolutions. The primary means to bring peace to the world is the evangelizing of the nations. Remember what I read to you from Sinclair Ferguson's book on the Sermon on the Mount? He said, Jesus is not speaking about the mere cessation of hostility among the nations. He is speaking about the cessation of hostilities between men and God. This is the peace he came to establish. And Augustine said, Our hearts are restless till they find rest in you. So the primary means to bring peace to the world is the evangelizing of the nations. That being the case, the peacemaker is first and foremost the evangelist, because evangelism is the way of peace. Now take, for example, all the fighting in the Middle East. Though we appreciate all the men and women of our armed forces very much, who are willing to put their lives on the line for our country, that is not the ultimate solution. And we also are excited about the recent peace treaties between Israel and some Middle Eastern nations. However, the ultimate solution is for you and me to spend our lives preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of hostile, of hostile people. The ultimate solution is for you and me to give up our sons, to give up our daughters, to go die for the cause of Christ among the Muslims, or among the Europeans, or among the Chinese, and the way that things are developing among the Americans. It is Christ who is the Prince of Peace, who rules the nations through His Church. It is Christ who will cause the lion to lie down with the lamb. It is Christ who will turn the sword into plowshares. And right now, he's doing that through the preaching of the gospel. He's doing it right here as we consider his word. He will do it through your, you later today as you instruct and disciple your children. He will do it through you tomorrow as you tell your co-worker about the awesome time in God's presence you had as you came to church. He will do it through you on Tuesday as you have coffee with your, your unbelieving friend and you, you, you love her to the point of telling her what her condition is without Christ. So we are peacemakers. We are sons and daughters of God. And we demonstrate that by bringing peace to the world. And we bring peace to the world by proclaiming the gospel. But we are also called to be peacemakers among ourselves. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us that wisdom that comes from above is peacemaking. James says in James chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, the children of God will seek peace among themselves in the fellowship of the family of God, that is, the church. So, to promote the peace in the church is one of the things we promise to do when we become members of this church. Uh, Every person desiring to become a member here has to answer the following question in the affirmative. Do you pledge to study the peace of the church in areas where you disagree with the doctrinal standards of this church? And one of the oaths that a BP pastor takes is as follows. Do you promise to be zealous and faithful in maintaining the truths of the gospel and the purity and peace of the church, whatever persecution or opposition may arise unto you on that account? Now, how easily forgotten are these oaths, aren't they, these promises? 
Again, Ferguson says, it is, is it not strange that the churches that experience a great deal of disruption are often those that most loudly proclaim allegiance to God's infallible word? So we are called, people of God, to be peacemakers in the church. We are called to keep the peace of the church. Let me give you two wonderful word pictures that illustrate Jesus' teaching on being peacemakers among ourselves. The first one is that peace is the referee who blows the whistle on any action that is out of line. In Colossians 3.15, the Holy Spirit through Paul says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God be what controls, judges, your heart. So peace, the harmony and well-being of our fellowship, but be, must be as important to us as its purity. And this means that we will submit our will, our position, our natural desires to the well-being of our fellowship. And some Christians will never do that. They do not seem to know or care that Jesus prayed that His people might dwell in unity as He and His Father do. But we have to understand that to, to disrupt peace in a church is to despise both the prayers of Christ and the blessing of Christ. Now, having said that, it is important for us to define what peacemaking is and what is not. First, peacemaking is not avoiding, denying, or fleeing real conflicts. That's not peacemaking, that is peace-faking. Peacemaking is not forcing people to agree with you by attacking and bullying them. Peacemaking is dealing with all conflicts that arise in the church and your, your relationships in a biblical, glorifying way. Peacemaking may include ad, uh, confrontation. Peacemaking may include admonitions. Peacemaking may even include being removed from the church. One of the greatest peacemaking passages in the Bible is Matthew 18, where our Lord says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him, his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more. And by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So that's the first imagery, that peace is a referee that judges, that blows the whistles, when, the whistle when we are uh, disrupting uh, our relationships. The second illustration that, uh, that illustrates Jesus' teaching on our being peacemakers is that peace is the bond or the cord that ties us all together. Uh, Paul says that in Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, where he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring, that is, working hard, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The peace, the bond of peace is what keeps us together. I hope you realize that by nature and by instinct, we could never act as one body. We're too different. We're too selfish. We, we think of ourselves too much. We want our own things. And uh, apart from the Spirit of God, we would not be able to walk together. 
But God's peace can accomplish that. It keeps us together. It ties us together, is what keeps us together. Uh, John Owen, the uh, famed Puritan pastor of the 16th, uh, 1600s, illustrated uh, the, the way that the peace of God works in us this way. He said, imagine a man collecting wood for his fireplace. He finds a good supply of branches, but they are of varied shapes and sizes. Some long and thin, others short and thick. Some straight, others twisted. He binds them together with a rope, and in one bundle easily carries them home. And the sticks, the the wood, is able to fulfill its uh, goal of providing this beautiful, attractive warming fire because they're bound together and that's what peace does and so it is with the church we are a varied bunch now look around and you can see how different we are from each other how will christ carry us home well he ties us together with the bond of peace if you cut that bond you will cut the cord that christ himself tied So let me challenge you to examine your heart and consider where you have been guilty of peace-breaking instead of peacemaking. If there is a fellow child of God, a brother or a sister that you must make peace with, go to him, go to her. Gain a brother, gain a sister back to you. May we all seek the peace of Christ's church. May we be peacemakers, because we are sons and daughters of God. Let us pray together. Father, may we be poor in spirit so that we can inherit your kingdom. Help us to mourn over our sins so that we can experience the comfort that comes from you. Enable us to be like the Savior in meekness. Give us a great hunger and thirst for righteousness and fill us. We crave your mercy in our lives, so give us grace to be merciful. Father, we want to behold the face of Christ, so purify our hearts. We are your sons, we are your daughters. Enable us to live peacefully, uh, peaceful lives and to be agents of peace in this world. Father, give us the grace and courage to stand for your kingdom. For we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.